We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blue Wire. The Chicago Bulls select Kobe White. Levine with the runway. What up? It's Cash Considerations. We're a Blue Wire podcast on the Chicago Bulls brought to you by betonline.ag. We don't have a ton to talk about, Jason, and that's because pretty much the entire world has stopped due to the coronavirus pandemic. Yeah. Uh, Ricky, what have you uh, been doing so far while in quarantine? I know like NBC Sports Chicago has been showing some some old Bulls games. They're showing the 1996 run. I was I watched bits and pieces of uh, game one and game two against the Miami Heat. That was kind of fun. Just kind of uh, the first game had good old Tom Dore and Johnny Red Kerr. So it was great to listen to those guys again. Obviously, we grew up with them announcing the Bulls. So that was great. We had a young Luke Kanellis on the sidelines. This was for Sports Channel back in the day, if you remember Sports Channel. Uh, and then after just watching those games is just kind of crazy. Obviously, watching MJ and Pip and Rod and all those guys is great. But just I was doing some stuff where I was just kind of looking back at some of the old statistics just from old games and just like watching those games, just how different the league was back then. Obviously, the style of play, the amount of three-pointers. I, I, I think it was the game one game I was watching. Tim Hardaway hit like four or five threes in the first half. He hit 26. The Heat hit eight threes in the first half, and that was like a huge deal. The Bulls went one of seven from three. The Heat made eight threes in the first half, and like, and that was crazy just because the, obviously the game has just been so much different. So it's been a lot of fun watching those. NBC Sports Chicago is doing a great job. They've been KC's been covering them and doing some special stuff for that. There was obviously also that I'm Back feature that was on NBC Sports Chicago. That was cool. We will actually be our next guest in a couple days. We're going to do a special pod. Uh, our next guest, Jack Silverstein, he is an NBA historian. He wrote a great thing for about the I'm Back. Michael Jordan returning in 1995. Wrote a great piece for them. He's done a ton of other great stuff. you got to follow him on Twitter. Uh, let me pull up his Twitter. Like I said, we're going to talk, talk to him on Tuesday. That'll be a lot of fun. I've been following him. That's at Reed Jack. He does a ton of old Bulls history. So with no Bulls going on right now, getting back into the, the 90s Bulls and the Dynasty, well, definitely a big part of what's what we're going to be doing during this whole this whole quarantine to the coronavirus. Ricky, what, how, how have you been handling all this? Yeah, I've mostly been working, which is good. I'm glad <laughs> yeah. to still have my job. I'm glad to still be busy at work. This, of course, would have been the NCAA tournament. 
So I had some stuff that, you know, typically I do every year for the tournament, like bracket predictions. That's something that uh, every selection Sunday after the brackets released, I put out my predictions. Uh, I decided to do it again this year, even though there wasn't a tournament. So I did bracket predictions on Monday using the latest projection of our bracket from uh, Chris Dobertine, the guy who does bracketology for SBNation.com. So I did that. I picked Dayton winning it all. Dayton over Gonzaga was my title pick. Um, and then on Tuesday, I did a big mock draft. We're going to talk about the mock draft a little bit later, but spent a lot of time on that. That was over 4,000 words. It was good to sort of dig into all these draft prospects, do a little bit more research uh, than I had been doing for most of the year. And uh, it, was, it was good to like finally focus on the draft because, quite frankly, that's going to be like the one big thing, I think, looming in the future for the league, considering uh, it's not a great free agency class. Seems like a lot of people are expecting a lot of player movement, maybe after the 2020-2021 season. Like, tough to say if the NBA will even come back this year, what the offseason schedule is going to look like. But we know the draft will exist in some form. So it was good to do a mock draft. Uh, They've been doing some news stuff, like why NBA players were testing for coronavirus when, you know, the public had been struggling to get a test for it. And then just blogging some short, silly stuff, too. So I'm very glad to be busy at work. Uh, For next week, I've been working on a ranking of the top 50 players in college basketball this year. So uh, I've written 40 blurbs so far. I've spent a lot of time doing that. And yeah, it's been good to sort of occupy myself with work because otherwise, I don't know what I would be doing with myself. Uh, yeah. Besides for that, I've been doing some home workouts, which have been pretty interesting. I bought a pull-up bar. Uh, I know I typically challenge Jim Boyle into a push-up contest, but might have to be a pull-up contest to give me uh, a little bit more of an advantage. So I've been doing that, and then I've uh, been reading a little bit and been, uh, you know, keeping up with some of these old Bulls games shown. One thing I did think was funny, digging into some old Michael Jordan stories, uh, I blogged about Magic Johnson saying that MJ hit the six threes in the 92 finals against Portland. I believe that was game one. Uh, yep. The night after Magic Johnson beat him in cards and MJ was mad about that. So just like looking into the stats from that year, MJ only hit 27 three-pointers <laughs> the entire season in 80 games during 1992, and then ended up hitting six in the first half of that finals game. And yeah, speaking about how the game has changed, I mean, Malik Beasley hit six threes in his first game this year with the Timberwolves after the trade from Denver. I don't think that got like any attention. No one even noticed that. But when Jordan does it, it's like one of the most iconic moments of his career, so... Uh, I think that the old Bulls games have been awesome. I got a couple old Bulls books that I'm going to dig through. Uh, so yeah, hopefully I'll be able to focus a little bit more on the dynasty era coming up. And it's been great that NBC Chicago has been showing those games. Yeah, definitely a lot of fun. Uh, watching MJ is always cool. It was, it was super funny. It was like, I have these Bulls DVDs and I like a couple weeks ago, I just like started watching them out of nowhere. And then now it's like perfect because now we're probably going to watch them over and over again. Uh, yeah, I mean, besides, yeah, well, I've been kind of staying busy at work too. That, that just, that's been nice. It hasn't been just like totally boring. Uh, I've been watching old Bulls games and getting back into the PS4 a lot more lately. That's been great. Not not necessarily NBA 2K, but what are you playing on PS4? Uh, I have a ton of games that I like. I've bought in the last couple of years that it's like I n- never end up playing. So like I'm kind of cycling through Call of Duty, which I know NBA players. Are, I don't really do the on the multiplayer online thing because I suck. 
I kind of just like doing like this single player like story mode, but I've been playing Call of Duty, the new Modern Warfare. Like I said the NBA players have been like twitching that stuff and like going crazy with Call of Duty. I know that uh, the little Spider Man is a lot of fun. Red Dead Redemption Two, Battlefield, and then what the hell is the other one? Oh, and then Assassin's Creed Odyssey. So I got like five games. I'm kind of just cycling through right now. Uh, it's been playing a lot more of that. Been uh, drinking a lot of wine with the wife, watching TV. A lot, always, always great. Uh, a lot of fun there. Uh, That's funny that you said you've been drinking because I never drink at home, like ever. I do like to go out to bars, uh, but I like rarely ever drink at home. But one thing I've been doing during the quarantine is that I've been meeting up with my friends from around the country and virtual doing Zoom hour? calls and yeah. yeah, doing virtual happy hour. We did it on Friday night. There's a game set called Jackbox. It has a bunch of like interactive games. One's called Fibbage. One's called Quiplash. Uh, they're pretty fun, just like party games. And yeah. we did that with all my friends on Friday. Ended up drinking a lot, staying up late into the night. And it felt good to like do that and see everyone's faces. Because I have friends in San Francisco and New York and L.A. that were all on that call. That was really fun. And then since everyone's getting into video games now, I busted out my old xbox 360 oh, yeah. and have started playing college hoops 2k8 yeah, which <laughs> i think is one of the greatest sports video games ever made what i like to do on that is to sim seasons and then you recruit with your school you build your coach up you get offered different jobs it's a ton of fun i'm actually thinking about blogging my 2k8 dynasty right now considering hey i gotta blog about something right yep. there's no basketball going on so what i'm thinking about doing is writing a series of posts on uh, like this coaching challenge dynasty where you start off with like a one-star prestige school. Western Illinois is the only local school, so that's the school I picked. And, you know, eventually as you build them up, you get offers from bigger programs. You jump from program to program. By the end of it, if you're good enough, you end up in North Carolina or Kentucky or whatever job you want to take. I'm thinking about staying with Western Illinois for the entire 40-year dynasty and seeing if I can win a national title with them and blogging about that. Now, I don't know if anyone's going to read that or if that's a good idea whatsoever. But I think I've seen a lot of people kind of doing that kind of stuff. Yeah, I, did do, well. I did do the first year, uh, and I have notes, and I was taking pictures of the TV with my phone. So that could be coming at you this week on SBNation.com, depending on how bored I get. I'm sure my girlfriend, who is currently quarantined with me, is going to absolutely hate that as I spend time doing the nerdiest thing possible, sitting <laughs> basketball seasons and recruiting players. Sounds great but, to me. <laughs> uh, it's been pretty enjoyable. And hey, man, we got to do something to uh, keep our mind away from what certainly feels like the end of the world this week. And I hope that all the listeners listening to this are staying safe, staying healthy, uh, staying inside and uh same same to you jason you and your family yeah absolutely uh i guess looking here at this here's what some of the bulls have been getting up to if you've been paying attention to them i know there was a there was a video of zach levine the other day that came up him playing one-on-one against his dog so that was kind of hilarious i know zach also contributed to uh i think he gave a lot of money to uh i think something in seattle like it was i can't remember exactly what it was but so him doing good stuff so that, w- that was good. Uh, I'm looking at this NBC Sports article right now. We got Thad Young had, had a game night at his house. Uh, Wendell Carter and Chandler Hudson doing the whole TikTok thing. Ricky, are you going to do the TikTok thing? I can't. That, that's just like not for I'm me. I'm too old, dude. I'm was, about to be 33 years old. Yeah, I can't like, do TikTok. That was huge at like the All-Star Weekend. We noticed like they brought they had like those TikTok like high school girls. They, like Aaron Gordon incorporated them into the All-Star, into the slam dunk contest. And I was like super like get off my lawn. Like I don't understand this. Like why are we, why are we doing this here? 
Uh, and now, now that's like a huge thing because like we've seen all these players like oh, I'm gonna do TikTok now and like uh, like and they just do these goofy dances. We saw like Mat- Matisse Thibel was doing like these really like intricate like funky things and like he's making a name for himself. It's like I I just can't do it. I would I'd be lame. I'd be boring. It'd be stupid for me to do it. But Chandler Hutchinson was funny though. I saw Chandler yeah. Hutchinson's TikTok this morning actually. And he did one of him dancing in his living room with one side of the living room. He had like an imaginary line down the middle. One side said banger with a fire emoji and one side said trash with the trash emoji. (laughs) And he was playing a song like Sexy Back by Justin Timberlake from the 2000s and dancing to it. And he would go on the trash side or the banger side, depending on if he liked it. (laughs) So his his handle is CMO Hutchison. And I'm going to play some of it right now. And now Chandler Hutchison dancing. Yeah, that is that is hilarious. So yeah, that's what's going down yeah. on the Chandler Hutchison TikTok, and yeah. Uh, yeah, it's been fun to follow follow every all the NBA players what they're doing during the coronavirus shutdown because the news about the league is crazy right now. Like they can't even get into the practice facilities. There's basically nothing more than just private workouts. These guys are able to do no teamwork. So. Uh, yeah, it's wild, man. Yeah, and it looks like Denzel Valentine dropped uh, another track. So if you like Denzel, oh, I haven't like, seen that. If you like Denzel Valentine's uh, his rap, his raps or whatever, go check that out. It looks like it's called uh, "Hate Me" from Diamond Jones with a feature from Denzel Valentine. So it's not Denzel himself, but he's featured on this. Rap Does he track. rap about boiling? That's all I, I want to know. I, I, I don't. It doesn't look like it. I've not listened to it, but. Uh, it looks like he does say. I mean, that that would that would be hilarious. It's called "Hate Me Too." Like that'd be like perfect. <laughs> that'd be super funny. But yeah, like, these guys are doing whatever they can to uh, amuse themselves, just like all of us. LeBron LeBron did like an hour long like IG live recently. Just uh, just be more careful than Jamal Murray was the other night, though. Uh, so yeah, there actually was some Bulls news a little bit o- over the last week. Uh, We will talk about that in a second shortly after this break on a word from our sponsor, BetOnline. Currently no NBA, NHL, or MLB. You might think there's nothing to bet on. Well, you'd be absolutely wrong about that. Our exclusive partner still has hundreds of sports, events, and games to wager on. Or let, let them bring Vegas to you with their online casino and blackjack. It's all open 24 hours a day and all online, including their $750,000 poker series. If you're into props and entertainment betting, you can still bet on Survivor, Big Brother, American Idol, stock prices, and even the weather. That's crazy. So visit the website today at betonline.ag and join to receive a 100% welcome bonus with your first deposit. So be sure to use and be sure to use promo code BLUEWIRE. That's at betonline.ag. BetOnline, your online wagering experts. All right, we're back. Cash Considerations, Ish Huggables Pod. As again, we are brought to you by BetOnline.ag. So again, there was kind of, I guess, some Bulls news in the last week. It it is not it is not really involved the coronavirus, which is good. Nobody, no Bulls players have tested positive. Although a ton of other people around the, around the league have, and then we know Kevin Durant did. A couple Lakers did. I don't think we actually know their names yet, but nobody on the Bulls has yet. But uh, Joe Cowley, we, we the fr- the whole front office thing. Like, who knows what's going to happen with the Bulls front office with Jim Boylan? We don't know what's going to happen with the season, as you mentioned. Like, it's it's all crazy. But Joe Cowley wrote this huge, I guess I would probably call it a hit piece on Garfor, and we know like I mean. Cowley has been hard on Gar for a long time now. He's taken it to him. Uh, and this column, or this story that came out last week on March, it was 
yeah, basically last week, March 18th. Just basically, it's titled Bulls GM Gar Foreman had a slow rise to power and even slower demise. And it just kind of details how Gar has fallen out of favor. We've heard this year basically about how he's kind of taken a back seat. He's basically effectively been demoted to a lead scout, even though he still does have the GM title. On this whole story, just kind of goes into like, I mean, it starts here. There was a Cowley asked a question of somebody in the Bulls organization and about Gar and quote was scouting in Siberia is what he's doing now that he joked two weeks ago like so pretty harsh again it goes through like just like all the issues that Gar Foreman has had in the organization obviously there was hiring Fred Hoiberg obviously there was stuff with he did not get along with Tom Thibodeau uh, there was the, he brought up the Randy Brown spying incident again. There was the issue with Jimmy Butler. We know Jimmy Butler's trainer basically called Gar Foreman a snake after the trade because it seemed like Jimmy thought he was happy with the Bulls. He he was going to try to recruit people to the Bulls and then they turned around and traded him. Uh, uh, they drafted Marcus Teague over Draymond Green, even though Thibs wanted Dray- Draymond Green. Obviously, a huge miss there. Uh, there was something from earlier this year when Luol Deng came back and they had that whole thing and a bunch of players came back. Apparently the players did not like how Gar treated them, that he was kind of like aloof and all that. So this whole kind of thing was just about how Gar Foreman is basically on, maybe on his way out totally. I know it's been reported that he, they might offer him this like a like a, a demotion, like an official demotion to like a lead scout or somewhere in the scout, a revamped scouting department. But the way Cowley was writing was that that he's just going to be totally out in general. Like who knows if the, he would even take that kind of demotion? Maybe he would because I don't know who else would really hire him at this point, given what has gone on with the Bulls. But um, yeah, I guess just like at, it was the whole thing was basically just about how Gara's not good. That he's probably not might not even stay in the organization at all, which I think is totally fine. Obviously, we've been pushing for them to uh, fire Garforn for a while, but the piece also kind of just kind of absolved John Paxson. And I know Cowley said did say later on Twitter that everybody everybody in the front office deserves blame, but this piece just kind of went out of its way to rip Foreman and then kind of painted Gar or Paxson kind of like a. I don't know. I want to say sympathetic light, and just, or that like he didn't like he had no like not not much blame here. Here, here's where the few uh, main paragraphs here. So, while Thibodeau had his obvious disagreements with Paxson, both knew they were where they stood with each other. Foreman, however, played both sides of the fence, telling Thibodeau one thing with bad mouthing the coach, the players, and then even Paxson grew tr- distrustful of Foreman after he heard how Foreman would go on scouting trips and blame organizational mistakes on Paxson, doing everything he could do to wipe the weapon clean of his fingerprints. Blah 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 blah. So then, again, it's like this pack's like is just kind of absolved of the blame here. Which again, Cowley did later say that they all deserve blame. But I feel like it just it, it's obviously setting up to make Gar a major fall guy. And it, everything we've seen so far is Paxson is still going to stay in the organization in what role we don't really know. Like Cowley's kind of said we don't know. I feel like Casey's kind of said they're not really sure. Like Pax supposedly has like like offered to kind of do whatever they want, which is just kind of weird. Ricky, what did you make of this whole this whole article, and what maybe what direction this front office uh, is headed? So my first question is who gave Gar, or who gave Cowley that quote on Gar where it said all he's doing is scouting in Siberia? Yeah. Because I think that was Paxson. That's my conspiracy theory. <laughs> the ni- I, that's kind of I was thinking like that. This is Pax kind of twisting the knife. Yeah, because that article totally absa- absolved Paxson from any blame, like you said. Now, in my opinion, like Gar has had diminishing power. It sh- certainly seems like yeah. it over the last couple years in the front office. I don't think it was Gar who traded Jimmy Butler. I think that after Gar was sort of the driving force behind hiring Hoiberg, his uh, influence within the front office sort of diminished after that point once it looked like 
you know, that wasn't going to be a great coaching hire that Gar thought it would be. So uh, will firing Gar Foreman or moving Gar Foreman out of a position of influence have any effect on the Bulls? I mean, to me, the, the, the cause of blame mostly falls on Paxson. So while the fans might want to, like, celebrate Gar getting fired, and yeah, like, Gar can get fired. Who cares? Let's celebrate that. We deserve to take joy in this very small win. Uh, I don't really think it means that, like, the Bulls are moving in a different direction, really, because I think that Paxson has been the biggest voice in the room over the last few years. So I want Paxson gone. Like, just firing Gar as a sacrificial lamb isn't good enough to me. I think Paxson also needs to leave. And, uh, you know, we'll see. I bet Gar is still around, just given how tight he is reportedly with Michael Reinsdorf and some other people in the Bulls front office. My guess is Gar will still have a scouting job. And that's fine, I think, ultimately, because this article did spell out that, like, Gar won't really have a seat at the decision-making table. And to me, that's the most important thing. That's why I want Paxson out. I don't want Paxson to still have a seat at the decision-making table, still have Doug Collins around, still have Jim Paxson around. Uh, but yeah, it looks like Gar is gone, which is which is awesome. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it certainly seems that way. Like, I guess, like, I guess I would say that he should just be gone entirely. Like, I get if he's at the scouting. I guess you could say the Bulls have done at least a decent job in terms of like their scouting and drafting. Obviously, there have been the mistakes I mentioned taking Teague over Draymond, but I mean, a lot of people passed on Draymond. It, that turned into like worst case scenario where Teague was one of the worst player like picks of that draft and Draymond turned into like a future arguable Hall of Famer. But I mean, lately, I mean, you could, I don't think you could really complain about many of the draft picks they've made. The general kind of scouting there, they just they've obviously just haven't been able to get the top level talent. So yeah, I mean, I guess the, I like I think in general like the ideal world, they just should clean house entirely and whatever, bring in a whole new people and whatever. But. Yeah, I mean, I guess if, as long as the decision-making power is taken out of his hands, that's what it should be. I mean, we've just been, we've obviously been ha- hammered on this point for so long. That just there just needs to be new people making the decisions, and that's that's basically it. Um, let's let's kind of move on. We've obviously talked about the front office for a while. Let's let's talk a bit about the draft. You kind of you teased earlier in the pod that you had written a mock draft for this week. Um, that was really, yeah, the, and the Bulls again. They are at number seven right now. We, we who knows when the lottery will be, who knows when the draft will be, but right now they are in the number seven spot in the lottery. Uh, for the number one pick, you had who is I had Lamelo Ball. Lamelo so, Ball going one. Yeah, uh, yeah, and then you had uh, Tyrese Maxey from Kentucky going to the Bulls at number seven. Ricky, just tell talk a bit more about just the Bull, the Bulls pick, this top of the draft in general for your mock draft at SB Nation. Yeah, so I made a change at number one this time. I have had. Anthony Edwards from Georgia as my number one pick since like I always do my first mock draft the day after the actual draft so uh, I always do a super early look at the draft class and in that one I had Anthony Edwards number one in the first mock draft I did this year which I believe was in January I had Anthony Edwards number one but I moved LaMelo to number one this year because Edwards, uh, while really talented, I just don't think that he has a great like feel for the game. I don't think he really has the decision-making ability to be a lead offensive creator. I think he's probably going to be more of a secondary guy uh, instead of a primary scorer. 
So Edwards is super talented, very athletic, 6'5", strong, very young, explosive going to the basket, uh, only shot about 40% from the field and shot under 30% from three-point range, mostly because his shot selection was just really bad. And uh, that's something I worry about with prospects now. Like, I would almost rather have someone be smart than be refined at a skill like shooting, right? Because you can definitely learn how to be a better shooter. We've seen numerous guys get into the NBA and figure out how to shoot, but my question is, have we seen a guy enter the NBA with like a bad feel for the game and then suddenly it magically improves? I don't know if you can really rewire someone's brain once they get into the <laughs> yeah. league in terms of making these decisions and processing all these things that have to be done in a split second. Uh, so Edwards has actually gotten a lot of comparisons to Zach Levine lately. I think that he has higher defensive upside than that. Like I've seen Anthony Edwards make some brilliant defensive plays. Look at the Maui Invitational game against Michigan State if you want some evidence on what his defensive upside could ultimately be. But in a similar way to Levine, where I feel like you know he has so many tools at his disposal and so many tricks in his offensive bag, still maybe isn't super impactful mostly because his decision making is bad like Levine's defense gets all the negative attention but you know if Zach Levine was a great decision maker with the ball in his hands on offense he would be one of the better players in the league because he's a lights out scorer already uh he's just had to sort of fall into that creation role for the Bulls because they don't have anyone else to do it and he just isn't necessarily uh you know that isn't the strength of his game so yeah, I moved Edwards to two. I have LaMelo Ball at one because I do think LaMelo Ball at 6'7", pure point guard, brilliant passer. I wrote in the mock draft that LaMelo Ball doesn't pass to open guys. He passes guys open. Like, this guy throws some passes that you have never seen in your life before in terms of his creativity, his timing, and his sense of awareness on the floor. Uh, if the Bulls got the number one pick, I think I would want them to take LaMelo Ball, which is crazy because he certainly has some shortcomings himself in terms of shot selection, physical strength. But I think just given his like outlier size and outlier playmaking ability at the point guard position, that's why I moved him to number one. Okay, now moving down the mock draft, I have Nyeka Okangwu, a freshman center from USC, is the third overall player. So I didn't do this draft necessarily on like best available. Uh, there's a couple of these guys I would sort of quibble with their position if I was committing overall to a best available, but I think I do have a Kongwu is probably third or fourth overall in this class. I don't think he should be an option for the Bulls because he is a center, 6'9", 245. Uh, like if they were going to trade Wendell in that if they like got a good package back for Wendell and then took a Kongwu, I could talk myself into that. Obviously, I really like Wendell, so I don't want them to do that, but Okongwu, I think, is one of the few players in this draft who's going to be above average on both sides of the floor, for sure. Uh, offensively, he had he finished everything. He was like 65% true shooting percentage. Didn't shoot from three, but he flashed a little bit of playmaking ability out of the high post. He could put the ball on the floor, and what he's really good at is finishing with either hand around the basket. Also a very smart player, and you know, defensively is sort of where... Uh, he made a name for himself. So I think, you know, even though he's a little short at 6'9", he has like a 7'3 or 7'4 wingspan, I believe. And he's someone who's going to project as definitely an above average defensive center, a good defensive center in the NBA while still giving you like really solid inside finishing. If you're going to have a team of like four shooters around a Kongwu, I think that that team could be really, really good. So I have him number three overall. I got, I'm blanking on how to pronounce his last name now, but Denny, uh, Denny, Evdija from Makai Tel Aviv. Uh, he is an Israeli forward. I have him going fourth. Uh, I feel like he's a particularly good fit for the Timberwolves next to Towns because 
I mean, ideally, they'd have a better defensive player there, but I do think Denny's going to be at least solid defensively. He could play either forward spot. He's a good passer. He's aggressive in transition. Uh, I think he's going to hold up defensively a little bit. So uh, I have him four. I have Killian Hayes, who's a guard from France, who I really like, going fifth to the Pistons. He's a 6'5 combo guard. Not very explosive athletically going towards the basket, but has a lot of tricks in his bag in terms of step backs, ways to create separation off the dribble. Uh, I could talk myself into putting Killian Hayes as the best overall prospect in this draft, to be totally honest, despite his lack of athleticism. Uh, I have him going fifth right now. I think he's going to be someone who you're going to be hearing a lot of buzz about if the Bulls were to land a top three pick. And hell, even if they stay at seven, maybe Killian Hayes would be available. I got Obi Toppin at six out of Dayton. You guys probably know him. He was the best player in college basketball throughout the year. And then, yeah, it's seven for the Bulls. I was trying to figure out what to do. So Tyrese Maxey was the best overall player on my board available. Uh, I also had Cole Anthony, the guard from North Carolina, who there was a time when I projected him as, I think, a top three pick in my earliest mock draft. He didn't have a great season for the Tar Heels. He tore his meniscus, missed a couple months. Uh, came back and was sort of a gunner in terms of his offensive ability. Like, the guy can definitely get off his own shot, put up points. I don't really know if he can leverage his scoring to make his teammates better. Is a team defender. I think he's pretty good on defense, but he's also on the smaller side. He's also on the older side for a freshman in college basketball this year. He's older than both Zion Williamson and R.J. Barrett, actually, who, of course, were drafted last year as freshmen. So... Cole Anthony is one of sort of the swing guys in this draft to me. Like, I... I'm worried about being wrong about him. I don't have a ton of conviction that he's definitely going to be very good. And in terms of his fit on the Bulls, I think he's a little bit redundant with the guy he replaced at North Carolina, Kobe White. Uh, So that's a little bit on Cole Anthony. Isaac Okoro, a forward. I had him going 10th to the Suns. He'd be a great positional fit for the Bulls, being the best defensive player in this class. I dropped him a little bit in this mock draft because teams were just straight up ignoring him on the perimeter offensively in the SEC because he wasn't a threat to shoot the ball. I think that if you put him in like a low usage 3 and D role as a rookie in the NBA, he's really going to struggle. His efficiency will be terrible because uh, teams are just not going to pay attention to him out there. They're going to make him prove he needs to hit the three-point shot before they respect it. But if he can start to become a dependable shooter, he's like the biggest if he shoots guy in this class. If he shoots, he's going to be awesome, I think. So uh, I have him 10th. I do think that perhaps he would be one of the best fits for the Bulls. We're going to be talking about Isaac Okoro a lot in the coming weeks and months, I'm sure. But ultimately, I went with Tyrese Maxey, who I just feel like is the safest player uh, at the seventh pick and the best overall player at the seventh pick. So Maxey is a point guard, six foot three, really fast, really strong. Uh, he didn't get to play point guard at Kentucky this year because they started two other point guards. They basically went with a three point guard lineup this year. So Ashton Hagens was a sophomore, great defensive point guard, pretty good playmaker. He was sort of their nominal point guard. They had Maxey and Emmanuel quickly both off the ball quickly being more of the knockdown shooter he hit like 45 percent of his threes this year i think and maxi being the better athlete the better defensive player better at getting to the hole so that's why i like maxi i feel like 
he has like the speed and power combination where he'll be able to get to the basket, absorb contact at the rim and finish. He was really good at finishing this year, even though he was mostly a below the rim player. Like he's not a guy who's going to rise up and jam on you. But in terms of his floaters, in terms of like pivoting his body to hit offhanded layups around the rim, Tyrese Maxey was really good. Defensively, absolutely gets in your shirt as a defensive player, can hound opposing ball handlers. Uh, and like I said, offensively, he puts pressure on the rim, developing playmaker. So Maxi isn't like a perfect fit for the Bulls. Like you can't really do that thing that all draft fans like to do where you just project him into the starting lineup and be like, well, here's our lineup of the future. We got Kobe. We got Zach. We got Maxi. We got Lowry. We got Wendell. We're a stacked team. I don't really know if you can do that because, you know, Ultimately, like, who is going to end up being the starting point guard? Kobe, who ended the year on a really strong note. Uh, you know, what are you going to do with Zach long term? The reason I go with Maxi is just because I think he has a lot of outs to being a good player. And uh, I think that he can fill a number of different roles. Like, I think he could theoretically play in the same backcourt with Kobe. They would be a little small for sure. They'd obviously need to gain a lot of strength. But I think Maxi is the body to put on strength. And ultimately, I think he's, I just feel more confident about him being a good two-way player than I do about most of the guys who are currently available with this pick being good two-way players. Uh, Because of his speed and power blend, because he's so competitive and tenacious defensively, and because he's a good finisher, developing shooter. So that's why I went went with Tyrese Maxey. I don't feel a ton of conviction in him like being the best fit for the Bulls or him definitely being their pick at seven. But if you go with the philosophy of let's just draft a good player and figure everything else out later, especially a two-way guy, which the Bulls desperately need, I think you could do a lot worse than Tyrese Maxey, and that's why I mocked him to the Bulls at number seven overall. Uh, I guess, like I said, I don't know much about these guys, but if you were to say at seven, like if there was like a potential home run guy, like obviously it seems like Maxey's more kind of safe. Like you said, the Bulls need good players draft a safe good player sure but if the Bulls actually were at seven again and there was a guy like you would maybe say this would be a home run like a boomer bust type guy who would that be yeah so I would say that Okoro if he achieves like his 99th percentile outcome in terms of his development he could be the best player in the draft and mostly it depends on him learning how to shoot because he's actually a very good passer and a decent ball handler he's also a straight up winner like i don't think he lost a basketball game in 2019 his high school team went undefeated his last year of high school playing uh, near the atlanta area and then auburn started the year undefeated they were like 15 and 0 or something to start the year uh, so he's just a total winner. He's brilliant defensively. 6'6", strong as a fucking ox. Uh, is someone who could, like, even had lots of great highlights defending the rim as a rim protector with his verticality because he's so strong and guys just sort of bounce off him. Offensive players do. Hypothetically can, like, you know, switch on three or four positions and offensively can really pass the ball with the ball in his hands. He's actually been getting some comps to Jimmy Butler from the ESPN guys in terms of like, yeah, he can actually handle the ball a bit, struggles to shoot. Uh, you know, we'll see. Maybe he can, he can, that can be a high level outcome for him. I don't see him really having the guard instincts that Butler has. Like Butler's such a good ball handler. Butler's such a master at getting to the foul line. I don't really see that out of a Coro. Uh, but I do think that his 99th percentile outcome is 
possibly the highest in the entire draft, and he's a positional fit on the Bulls as a wing who defends. So that would be a good fit for them. And then if you want one more guy who could be sort of boomer bust, I like Killian Hayes. I think Killian Hayes has a really high ceiling because he's 6'5". He's a really creative passer, natural running the pick and roll. And, you know, he's not going to get all the way to the basket and, like, dunk on you or finish above length. That's kind of his shortcoming. But he is a pretty good pull-up shooter. He made major strides as a pull-up shooter this year. And he just has, like, a bag of offensive tricks he can already go to. Also very young, one of the younger players in this class. I believe he's still 18. So I like Killian Hayes, maybe in the D'Angelo Russell type of mold, maybe in the Malcolm Brogdon type of mold as someone who I think has high upside. And, you know, the way a player like that becomes one of the best players in the league is just by refining their off the dribble three point shooting and becoming like a great off the dribble three point shooter. Hayes already has the step back in his bag of tricks at 18. So that's the skill where like if he gets really fucking good at that, potentially he could have a super high ceiling. Interesting. We will definitely be talking a lot more draft in the coming, however God knows long this quarantine and the and all that happens. We will fo- we will probably do more deep dives on specific prospects again in the coming weeks, months, or whatever. But that was a great introduction to basically like the top ten guys right there from Ricky. Please do go check out his latest mock draft that is up at SBNation.com. Again, his number one pick right now is Lamelo Ball at number seventy of. Kentucky's Tyrese Maxey. Go check out the rest of it. Obviously, spent a lot of time doing, the, looking into this and making these picks, so do check that out. Ricky, any other final thoughts before we wrap up here? Stay safe, everyone. Mostly just that. Stay, yeah. stay, stay safe, stay healthy, uh, because even though this stuff hasn't really affected anyone within my direct community yet, everyone, everything I read about it is just really scary. So uh, take Absolutely. it seriously, be smart about it, and hopefully we're able to get through this. You know, if it takes a month, two months, three months, if it takes until September, whatever it is, we will get back to normal eventually, but you got to be smart. Don't be an idiot. Don't don't go. I saw like video of like people like out in like, I think L.A. like playing pickup basketball. It's like, come on, guys, just you have one job. Just don't go outside and do that kind of shit. Just be, be safe and order from your local businesses. Or, ordered some great takeout last night. Uh, a nice a nice cheeseburger from the butcher's tap down by me on Southport. A lot with a lot of those places are doing like special deals now. So please help, also help out your local business around you. And again, yeah, again, stay safe. We will get through this. We will try to do our best to entertain you guys. Obviously, a lot of other people are doing their best as well, creating their content. The content never stops, even if the league is right now. So, uh, yep, that's all from us. That's all from us this week. Cash Considerations, a Chicago Bulls pod. Again, we are brought to you by Bet Online. Uh, it's a, we're a Blue Wire podcast. Follow us on Blue Wire on Twitter at Blue Wire Pods. Go check out all the other pods again. While even though no, there's no sports right now, we are we are keeping going. All our other podcasts are are. Keeping on, keeping on during this. Again, there's a lot of places are doing what they can. They're doing all the, the throwback stuff across the country. I know they're doing the, the streaming of like video games or watching old games again. So while there is no current sports on right now, it sucks. There's still tons of sports going on. Uh, and we're trying to keep everybody entertained during this time. So for this week, that's been Jason Ricky, Cash Considerations. Again, we will be back in a couple days with a special interview, talk, doing some Dynasty Bull stuff. So that's going to be a lot of fun. So we'll, uh, we'll be back in a few, got, few days, guys. Take it easy.
Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.